Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and I want to take you back to November of 2019. So, you know, a younger, more innocent time for us all, but certainly for me, I was a grad student at the time, and I'm driving north from New York City on a phone call that I, I'm not being too hyperbolic to say that it, it changed my life. This 90-minute phone call was a conversation with today's guest that really changed the way that I thought about myself and what I was capable of and what I believed that I wanted to do honestly with my life and how I could more completely live my purpose. And part of that conversation was convincing me by insisting, this guest completely insisting that I had to start a podcast. So I mean it when I say that Better Than Fine would not exist without today's guest. Because when someone who has worked for M. Night Shyamalan tells you that you've got a message that the world needs to hear, well, you listen. Uh, And so I listened. And that's why you can listen right now. So I'm honored to have today's guest on the show for the first time, uh, partly because of her her deep wisdom, her insight, her original ideas, and also because I'm honored just to have her here because she's the reason the show exists at all. So my guest today is an expert in media and wellness. She's a wellness coach as well, and she also has a master's degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, where she's also an assistant instructor. She has been a thesis advisor. She's helped countless people interested in positive psychology to incubate their ideas and then figure out how to carry them out into the world. But that's not what she's here to talk about today. I'm going to let her explain it a bit. But Mika Op, my friend, my mentor, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Better Than Fine. Oh my gosh, Darlene, that is, that is very, what a beautiful introduction. And um, it's an honor to be here with you. And um, I want to just take that and keep that as a gift uh, for the rest of my life, really, that gift of gratitude. And um, I also just want to say that um, there's no point in trying to convince somebody of something <laughs> if they're not going to do something about it. Um, And so for me, um, the way that you were able to take what I had to offer and and run with it has been nothing short of incredible, really. What happened that that year was actually you and I both started a podcast and I was going through a podcasting fellowship um, by Seth Godin, which was super exciting. And I was so fired up about it. And, you know, you kind of showed me who you wanted to be in this world in your next incarnation. And it seems so obvious to me that that speaking and podcasting would be such a great medium for you. And part of what I wrote my master's thesis was um, had to do with the medium being the message. And so it seemed like the perfect medium for you. Um, But fast forward to now, like when the pandemic hit, I I was like, you know, this isn't my thing anymore with my podcast, although I want to jump back into it with a different spin on it. But now look at what your podcast has done in that amount of time. And you've touched so many people. And. I'm just so grateful that you actually were open to um, to seeing yourself in a new way, but then actually just taking action. And if everybody you know listening to this knows you, they know that you are nothing if not a woman of action. So I want to like um, fangirl right back at you because you've been a mentor for me as well. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, thank you for saying so. And I didn't prep Mika uh, to the listener. I didn't prep Mika at all that I was gonna like <laughs> put her out on positive blast there. Ruin my mascara. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I was starting to feel mine run a little bit, but I I think one something that you've just said highlights that one of the things I really love about being in the positive psychology space and the wellness space is there's so many people that no matter what your expertise is, there are other people that you're gonna learn from, and you learn from each other. And one thing I have definitely learned with you, I'm not going to say from you, I'm going to say with you, has been that mutual mentorship, because the pivot that we have taken in our relationship from, you know, you were clearly mentoring and guiding me into uh, mutual nurturing, I think is the, the phrase I'm hunting for here. Uh, and that's been really rewarding. And I think something that anybody listening could take uh, a lesson from, perhaps. I love that. And yeah, it takes a lot of humility, I think, from on both sides to be able to change the relationship and and adapt with it. And um, many of the people that have come through the MAP program have become my friends, even though technically I was one of their, you know, their instructors. Um, and likewise, you know, I've been able to make friends with some of my instructors. And um, it's wonderful that it can just become this new kind of language that we share together. Um, and context that we share and that acts as a jumping off point for whatever is to come. So I'm thrilled to be here and very proud awesome. to be here. Awesome. Well, let's pivot then to, <laughs> to what you are here for. Sure. Even though you're, you're an expert in media and positive media specifically, a few months ago, we hopped on the phone and you shared with me this concept that, you know, sometimes I feel like an idea gets introduced to us and it's such a clear bell ringer where someone gives mm -hmm. language to a set of ideas that have been kind of humming in the background. And it really resonated with me so strongly, which is why I thought now was the time for you to come on. Can you share with us this idea? What is chronic wellness? Sure. Well, you know, I've been on a healing journey for a long time now. I was thinking about and trying to figure out how long I've been on a healing journey. And, um, it's been over 15 years, probably closer to 20 years. And during that time, um, you know, you just start to on a long journey of healing. And I'm, I'm actually already framing it in a positive way when I say that, because <laughs> really, you know, what it starts out as like, is like a, not even a journey. And it's just feels like a death sentence. It feels like, um, any diagnosis that you might get is delivered to you in a, in a way that makes it feel as if this is the end of something and um, that, you know, you're just going to be sick or limited for the rest of your life. And so for me, there's been a, like a stepping up of the reframe over the years um, to create not just more like functionality, but more openness and um, ability to take on even new information and um, take the the game to kind of the next level, leveling up as I go. And so I guess it became sort of this healing journey. And then now I think of it as a, a chronic, a journey of chronic wellness. And I use that phrase because we're usually talking about it in terms of chronic illness. Um, and so we even think about the word chronic as, as a bad thing, but actually chronic is, is, you know, something is like a routine or a ritual. And that's, can be a really good thing. And it's a journey of wellness, um, just because our healthcare system isn't necessarily set up to, to promote wellness. You and I both know um, that it's 
that it's a priority to cultivate wellness. And so I think making it something that is ritualized or habitualized or that we think of and conceptualize as chronic um, in a positive way kind of reminds us that this is something that we want to put work in every day to creating our own wellness. And when I talk about chronic chronic wellness, I'm talking about it as kind of a reframe of chronic illness. And I'm thinking about it more in terms of like the psychological and even spiritual and emotional side of it, not so much the physical part of it. So this is more about like, how do we think about this journey that we're on um, in, a, in a way that's an empowering way? And, and you and I talked in that conversation about the placebo effect. And we know that, you know, the way that we think about something has a direct effect on our body and especially our immune system. So being told that you're going to live with chronic illness for the rest of your life is the worst thing that you could really <laughs> be told. So I think when you're given some kind of diagnosis, it, you have the opportunity to reframe it in a way that's constructive. So that's what I'm trying to do. And this is really an evolving framework for just for cultivating well-being through the process of, of chronic illness. Yeah. And I, I love what it opens up when I think about these ideas. So you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Marshall. My guest is Mika Opp, and we're talking about chronic wellness. And Mika, when you first started telling me about this, we talked about, you know, you, you just mentioned chronic illness and that so often in the wellness space, wellness initiatives are marketed as, you know, illness avoidance or illness um symptom mitigation, right? Like we're sold this idea of like, oh, take these supplements and you won't get, you know, dementias and Alzheimer's and diabetes or whatever, yeah. or take these other supplements or do these other practices and they'll help with depression, anxiety, blah, 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 blah. And you and I both know that is the opposite of a positive psychology framing, right? Like we look for the additive positive framing. And that's really part of what made this resonate for me is as somebody who was diagnosed in my early 20s, 15 years for me, 20 years for you, um, with, I'm going to put it in quotes here, a chronic illness. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that I was essentially given the framework of um, symptom mitigation yeah. from a pretty young adulthood. Um, and this idea of perpetuating wellness as its, its framework. So, you know, thank you for bringing it into the world. Do you mind sharing with us a bit about how, how we might approach our chronic wellness. Like how do we flip this switch from an illness mentality to a wellness mentality? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. So I, like many people in the positive psychology world, um, have constructed an acronym, um, an acronym <laughs> to, course, to there's help a million me. acronyms. <laughs> yes, there's so many acronyms. And I was like, don't do an acronym. And I'm like, no, I need a, I need a way of thinking about this and talking about this. And it was cool because like when I you when you when you create an acronym, you know, you there's actually websites where you can put in, you know, the different words and see what pops up. And one of the first words was graces. And I'm like, that's mm. perfect. Because that's really perfect. how it feels to me is like these graces that come that that are the constituent elements of what I think of as chronic wellness. Um, so I can talk you through that acronym. Yes, please. So the the graces stands for grief restoration, alignment, compassion, energy, and surrender. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll just start with grief. So grief, I think, is one of the first steps um, 
in the sense that when you are given some kind of diagnosis or when you're bumping up against the limitations of your physical body or your emotional capacity or whatever the limit is, you begin to see that some possibilities are being cut off from this life path for you. Mm -hmm. And grieving is a natural process. I think we don't want to grieve when we're ill because we want to stay hopeful. But what I find is that you can, you create more space for hope when you let yourself grieve. And Mm -hmm. so you're grieving who you thought you might be able to be. Um, You're grieving, you know, the FOMO of things that you might've missed in the past. Um, You're grieving a certain trajectory. Um, And what that will allow you to do is kind of sort of yes and it, you know what I mean? Where you're like, okay. so then you're kind of putting a period on that and saying like, that is what it is. Now, it doesn't mean it's not going to change. It could be that you have a miraculous recovery and you're able to be an NBA star. (laughs) But also, like, if that doesn't happen, you've now kind of processed it and moved through it. So you're at a place to be open to what is what is possible. Um, so that, yeah. yeah, it's like being your own witness too. Um, it reminds me last week we did, um, pragmatic optimism. That was last week's episode. And Mm -hmm. you know, the first step in pragmatic optimism is you have to be honest about the situation you're in. And I think even for clients I can think of who haven't been diagnosed with chronic illnesses, stepping into a proactive wellness journey does sometimes come with a bit of grief. Um, you know, I can think of clients who, you know, have struggled with yo-yo dieting, right? And and the things that they've been taught to want about how their body looks or yeah. how other people perceive their body and their embodiment and letting go of the dream they've been sold often involves a bit of grief. And, you know, I could see where that would be a really useful set of tools regardless of someone's uh, medical status. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, grief is something that we all need to learn anyway, because people that we love are going to die, you know, full stop. I think grief is grief is actually something that we've been wrestling with the last couple of years as, you know, as a, as a planet. And um, it's really, I think a, a muscle in a way, I don't know if that's the right way to talk about it, but it feels like you can get better at grieving. Um, I kind of yeah, don't process do because I don't want more <laughs> grief to come into my path. Yeah. But over the past couple of years, I've grieved a couple people that I've lost and, and thing, you know, th- dreams that I had and, you know, I've made new dreams, but it's like, um, I know that there's still going to be a lot of grief in the future because you just look around and, you know, people that you love will die. And so I think it's something to kind of invest in anyway, apart from the chronic uh, wellness illness journey. Um, And I think part of that too, is like when you, the other sort of part of that G is, is gratitude because Mm. you sort of become grateful for the stuff that you can do. So it's like gratitude instead of expectations, you know, or progress over perfection, because you're just like, I went for a hike today, you know, and I can walk today. Yes, exactly. I (laughs) I had a day last week, I couldn't walk. And you know, you want to talk about get learn to appreciate the little stuff, have a, a, some kind of lapsing remitting illness that causes you to periodically not be able to like, walk, I couldn't make dinner last week, I had to call Matt and be like, you got to bring something home, because I can't stand long enough. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. I love I and I love the idea of 
gratitude or any kind of appreciation and grief being intertwined, right? Because so often we talk about grief in our society as focusing on the mourning. But one of my very good friends um, just lost you know, her person very, very suddenly a couple of months ago. And we had a call this morning and we were talking about how much storytelling and humor is happening among their community. And that's the appreciation that you knew that person at all. You had someone to love like that, right? And yeah. to have that appreciation when we're talking about chronic wellness for the things that do work, right? Like I have the form of EDS. It's not going to kill me. I'll just be uncomfortable the rest of my life. I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And it gives you very soft skin. <laughs> there are so many gifts in the darkness. There really are. Um, and I'm not, this is like, I'm not like spiritual bypass or light washing or whatever. No, it's, no. That's part of what grief is, I think, is like going down, going down and really exploring like the darkness of what's going on. I mean, it sucks to not be able to walk upstairs when you're like in your 20s. And, you know, yeah. and, and and that said, like, even when you say that, the other part of you is going, yeah, but look at these other people that were there when I had to like get my blood drawn or like when I went to the hospital and I saw this, you know, these people going through something way worse. And that's actually one of the, the beautiful things about chronic illness too, is that you end up just by nature of it being in places where there are a lot of sick people. And so you do have gratitude. So while you're grieving what you don't have, you're grateful for what you do have. So it's sort of like two sides of the same coin. Yes. Strong agree. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Marshall. My guest is Mika Opp, and we are talking about chronic wellness. And so Mika is walking us through her graces model. And the first G we've decided is not just grief, but also gratitude. Um, so Mika, take me to the R. What's the R? Sure. So that would be restoration, uh, restorative practices. And you and mm -hmm. I also have talked about this before. And I love that you are exploring that too on Better Than Fine. Uh, because a lot of people just think that exercise um, is just all go, go, go. And mm -hmm. there's a whole side of it <laughs> as you know, um, that is um, restorative. And so we're trained to find the effort. And we're, we need to retrain ourselves to find the ease. And so that's mm. what restorative practices are about. Um, so things like a warm Epsom bath over a cold plunge, for example, or yin yoga over Bikram yoga, walking over running. Um, so not, this isn't for everybody, right? This is for people who know that they have a certain capacity and they're trying to um, condition their parasympathetic system. Mm -hmm. uh, this is something that needs to be conditioned because otherwise you're going to run the same old patterns you've always been running. Um, so I think of these as like elevated or elevated habits or magic habits, taking habits and making them kind of adding something a little more to them. So for example, like you could think of sleep as a spiritual ritual, you know, um, or you could think of like the way that you're processing emotions as something that's really good for your body. There's definitely, mm. um, there's definitely like journaling prompts and things that are meant to heal your, um, your, your body. For example, the whole John Sarno healing back pain, that whole model. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's, it's about conditioning that, that parasympathetic state um, so that your and neural pathways aren't firing out pain signals. So yeah. That's, and for the listener, 
Um, so your sympathetic nervous system is like upregulated, fight or flight, um, stress reactive, and your parasympathetic nervous system. And I used to, when I teach this to baby trainers, I teach it like it's a parachute. It's bringing you back down. So Ooh. parasympathetic. Yeah, you like that one? I um, like that. That'll so, help yeah, you too because it's confusing. <laughs> parasympathetic is the parachute that safely brings you to ground. Um, and so that's your rest, digest, sleep, reproduce, like all of these functions that our ancestors wouldn't have done if they were like afraid for their lives. Um, and so we need our paras parasympathetic nervous system to be high functioning in order to heal the body. But oftentimes those of us who've grown up in trauma or chronic stress, or we've been through, we've just gotten a really scary diagnosis. We, the on switch is all the way up to 12. And then those healing restorative practices that Mika you're alluding to can't work if the parasympathetic nervous system isn't doing its deal because you can't get there. And so, you know, I love, I love the idea that, you know, there's movement, but there's also mindfulness. There's also, there's all of these other ways to recondition that parasympathetic tone, as you were saying. Yeah. And, um, for me, the importance of this actually came out, you know, I'm a big fan, but, um, Tony Robbins, I was at one of his trainings and he talks a lot about conditioning your state, you know, yeah. And, um, to me, this is like, well, what kind of, and, and I think that's also for upregulation, like when you want to, you know, you want to be like vibrant and all that stuff, but you can also condition, um, a calm state. And so when you're healing, you really want to try to do that. And also I would say like the part of this is like giving yourself and this kind of goes into the next part, but like, is, is giving yourself permission to let's say, okay, I heard about Wim Hof from somebody while I was in, you know, deep in my healing journey. I had, I didn't really get into my, my story and my symptoms, but I had a symptom where, um, it was pretty noticeable. I had dermatitis all over my face. And somebody mentioned that Wim Hof, um, not just breath work, but also cold plunges. And, um, I did do one and, and I ended up in serious back pain, uh, mm. for days as a result. And, um, uh, and it, it, for me, because of adrenal stuff and shingles and a whole bunch of other stuff, that was not a good thing to do for somebody else. That could be a really good thing to do. If you have a certain level of healing already accomplished, or, you know, that, that the Wim Hof stuff might be really great for you, but kind of knowing that it's okay to just be like, that part doesn't work for me. And sure. what might be like the flip side of that, where I'm still using water and I'm still like, breathing, but I'm breathing in a more restorative way. And I'm using water in a more restorative way, like a, an Epsom salt bath or, or something like that. Yeah. I think, you know, this brings up two things I want to highlight for our listeners. And the first is one of the things I love about coaching is that it's not prescriptive. Right. And so I might give you information about how cold plunge works versus hot bath. And then it's up to you to look at, okay, these are my symptoms. These are my lived experience. You know what? That's not going to work for me. And as a coach, I'm not attached to that outcome. I'm not, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm here to make the container, not make the choices. And the other thing is that, you know, the, the dose is the medicine, right? So there's unquestionably a point in my own path where cold plunges were causing muscle spasms. And then I would be in pain in the way you're describing. And now for me, cold plunges are a way that I can upregulate and help with focus because if I'm too all over the place, and overstimulated, it, you know, it upregulates your dopamine. So for somebody, it might help with their neurodivergence, whereas somebody else, it, you know, scrambles a signal and they can't function for a few days. And, and recognizing that when we present these tools as if they are 
ubiquitous for everyone, we're doing a great disservice to everyone else's wellness journey. Absolutely. And I think that's part of one of the skills and qualities that you get out of going through a chronic illness journey is that you become um, this N of one, you know, and you have to be willing to stand inside of contradictions and even mystery to find out your path, you know, and using your own personal experience as a pathway to truth, to finding truth is not something that we're encouraged to do in our society. Mm -hmm. um, and that actually brings me to the third piece, which would be alignment. And this is like um, alignment in terms of finding your own path, but also um, kind of like your North star. So your trajectory, and that could be a different asset if you if you will, for, for different people. So um, one of the things I recently came across and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I shared this with you on our call was, um, the construct called psychological richness. And I think mm. that that has some really nice gifts when it comes to um, the chronic wellness journey, because, um, you know, even if that wasn't your North Star to begin with, which I think for me it was, and, um, you know, <laughs> maybe I created this chronic illness journey and because it's psychologically rich, but it certainly does have, you know, psychological richness um, embedded in it. And because there's high highs and there's low lows. And can you unpack what psychological witness is for our, our leaders? Well, for I don't, our listeners? Yeah, and I don't have it like perfectly top of top of mind, but it's it's a new psychological construct that is, you know, like we have PERMA, which is Seligman, and we have um psychological uh well we have different well-being frameworks right for yeah. for what is well happiness or what is well-being we can measure it in lots of ways positive affect negative affect etc well psychological richness is another uh framework for well-being basically some people are more naturally inclined to seek out uh, a depth of um experience than other people and that's where they derive their happiness or well-being from mm -hmm. so it's, it's not necessarily like you know, relationships or some of these other um, constituent elements that are in these other frameworks. Yeah, it's like deep understanding and a full openness to experience of one's yeah. life and that you yeah. want to explore. Uh, you know, I think of it, yeah, I used to be an actor. And so, of course, I think of it the way I used to think yes. about like, well, I want to try everything so that I have yeah. a lot of, I can pull from when I'm building a character. Exactly. But then I realized like, oh, no, I don't care about the character part. I just want to try everything. Yes. <laughs> so, and the thing yeah. is, is like, to somebody that has that, they might think that's obvious, but that's not the way everybody finds well-being, no. you know? And like, no. I'm here traveling to dozens of countries and, you know, which is part of like how I ended up getting sick. But but that was for me super exciting and stuff. And the 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 reality is that's still a part of of a chronic uh, wellness journey is that you do have these um, psychologically rich experiences. So so that is um, you know that is one north star that you could potentially have for you. It might be like uh, growth. It might be meaning. It might be evolution. Um, so. I heard a great quote, when you don't have your body, you have your spirit. And imagine when you really feel like, and, and this is also, you know, something that needs to be reframed, but like, if you feel as if your body has turned on you um, or let you down, then what, what do you have left? You have your spirit. And um, I use spirit and, you know, it, it could be a religious or non-religious way or, um, but just something larger than yourself. And that becomes kind of like your your focus a little bit. And I, I believe that there are spiritual gifts that come out of uh, dealing with chronic illness for a long time. 
as, yeah. as I'm sure you might agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. I mean, we don't we don't talk about a ton of woo-woo here on Meetup, yeah. but I definitely agree that, um, you know, I, I've said it back in December, we had the, the interview show where we had the takeover and somebody asked for my origin story. And I said then, I would not be who I am and I would not do the things I do and I would not have my sense of purpose and meaning and calling if I didn't have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, right? Yeah. Like it's been so pivotal to yeah. my evolution as a person. And it sounds like for you and a lot of your revelations and your wellness journey and what you've been working on, the same is true for you and this path that you have been, uh, I was going to say walking and marching, but sometimes like, you know, crawling and taking a nap. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's um, another piece of, I think, alignment is the way that we use language. Um, mm. So so it's kind of reorienting yourself around the illness, uh, the way you talk about it. Like, I know that there's a big, you know, a lot of people would say like cancer warrior. Um, but like, what if you were a healing goddess, you know, or um, <laughs> what if, you know, um, instead of a battle, it's a journey. So just little things like that where you know, we start to experience things differently when we start to reframe them. And we know this from even some of the research, you know, in the, the cleaning ladies in the, you know, the mindset research, um, where it's like, when you reconceptualize something as exercise, you actually burn more calories and all that stuff. So, so imagine if, you know, if you're reframing your chronic illness as chronic wellness, or if you're reframing, you know, being a warrior, um, to let's say like being a, um, a goddess or whatever you want to say, you know, that's going to help you experience the world in, in a more productive way. So I, I think of it as like renaming your experience is, is it's like reclaiming your narrative. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's one piece is kind of hacking your own language. Yeah. So the alignment piece, I think, I think I want to highlight, cause I think I know you well enough to know that what we're saying is not well, you can't be a warrior because that's too aggro. Yeah. We're saying whatever the language is that truly authentically aligns yeah, with absolutely. you and your path and your journey, yeah. taking the time to like taking the psychological richness, richness to consider that with intentionality helps to align toward a sustained wellness state. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, yes, definitely. And, and I think too, like having lots of tools in your toolkit and even in language, because sometimes you need to be a warrior, like make oh, no yeah. mistakes. Sometimes that is the right thing. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but also like calling yourself a warrior means you're always going to have to fight a battle in a way. So it's, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's creating a context around you. And sometimes that's just the context you're in and you're in a battle. And sometimes you're not in a battle, but you're saying you're a warrior. And so it's just like something to be mindful of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That language creates part of our reality. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Marshall. My guest is Mika Op. We are talking about chronic wellness. And as we continue to explore this acronym, I want to highlight that while Mika and I might be talking about, you know, our, our Spoonie journeys, Spoonie is a, a thing that people with chronic illness typically call ourselves. Uh, I think a lot of what you're sharing, Mika, could be benefit to anybody on any wellness journey. It doesn't only have to be um, those who've had a diagnosis, because I think so many of us, what we're looking for you know, if chronic is sustained, we're looking for sustained states of wellness and well-being. Uh, I think, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to um, talk about is self-compassion, because self-compassion is something that 
And I know you've talked about this before on the show, but it's really one of the tools that kind of got me through, um, through this process. And one of the pillars inside of that is what you're talking about. It's like common humanity. We all mm. have, we all go through things that, um, that are hard. That's just a part of being human. Um, so along with, along with, um, the common humanity piece, there's mindfulness and then treating yourself as you would treat someone you love or care, care and concern. So those are the three pieces of, of, uh, self-compassion. And that's the work of Dr. Kristen Neff. Um, and she also has a framework called fierce self-compassion, uh, which I've trained in and, and to your point of like being a warrior, you know, um, sometimes that self-compassion needs to be fierce. And a lot of times that shows up as, is either asking for accommodation or boundaries. Like what are your non-negotiables? Oh, yeah. what, what saying no and paring down to like what, to what you really need. So um, that's, that's actually the next piece of the oh, puzzle is <laughs> compassion. So, and then so the we've next- got- yeah. Grief and gratitude align. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I skipped. I skipped yeah. the R. Grief and gratitude, um, restoration, alignment, uh, yes. compassion. Com compassion. Okay. Yes. And anybody so who wants to dive into self-compassion, there is an episode from April of 2022. Um, that's a whole exploration of of self-compassion and Kristen Neff's work. So, awesome. all right. So, what's our next? The next would be energy, and mm. it's sort of just like super simple. At the end of the day you have a cho you have like choices all day long. So the easy way to think about it, if you're on this journey is, does this help or harm? Because you sort of have just like a finite amount of energy each day. And you know, when you really, like when you think about it, you know, is this gonna make me have more energy or less energy? And it's fine if you wanna like spend those energy coins, but just know that you're doing it and you might wanna do it. You know, like for me going on a roller coaster, well, that's, that's like, I protect my adrenals really well, but it's sometimes it's worth going on a roller coaster with my child. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, or seeing a scary movie, like seeing Lord of the Rings, but I'm not going to go see like just a ton of scary stuff or, you know, but there's certain things where it's worth it to me. Um, so that's because this is kind of also like once you've, you've done the research, you know, your protocols, you have your, you've experimented, you have your routine mm -hmm. that works for you, but now mm -hmm. it's just this heuristic of like, does it help or does it harm? Um, and another piece of the energy equation would be like, again, streamlining, simplifying things like that in your life where you can, and also, uh, creating community because people can help fill in the gaps on your, on your, um, energy meter, or they can fill up your tank, but people can also drain your tank. So that's, yeah. yeah. I love the idea of boundaries being part of energy, right? When I teach self-care, boundaries is often the hardest part for people to grasp when we're talking about practices that, you know, if, if meaningful self-care is the routine meeting of your human needs, but you don't have the boundaries to say no to people who are taking up the time and space that you, you need in order to eat well or get enough sleep or practice mindfulness or whatever, right? A lot of the wellness tools take up time, Yeah, but you have to have boundaries and you have to have strong no's in order to have meaningful yeses. So that, that to me is such an important part of this energy exchange that we call time and life. Yes. Um, and what's the S? And the S is surrender. So mm. I believe mm. that healing is not something that you achieve. Um, 
it's an ongoing process of regeneration. Um, so yeah. surrender is taking action off of its pedestal. Um, and I've heard it said that healing is biased to like the feminine side, the feminine energies. It's like taking time for yourself, like honoring your cycles, going within, having your off days, as opposed to just like achievement goal orientation, that kind of thing. Not to say that you don't have to take action in order to set up a healing like process for yourself. Um, but it's kind of like um, letting yourself, uh, yeah, regenerate and surrender. And surrender is not just passive. It, it's, it requires a choice. It requires agency. So uh, a lot of people think it's just like, oh, you're just waving the white flag or whatever. But really, when you think about it, well, that takes action. That's a choice that somebody made to wave, to stand up on the hill, get the white flag and like raise it. That's, you know, that's an active stance. It's just, it's a regenerative stance. So um, it's like embracing being overdoing when you can, because you can't always do that, but when you can, uh, giving yourself permission and um, acceptance also kind of paradoxically leads to less stress. And we know that less stress is better for healing. So um, a, another part of that would be like thinking about growth because when when we measure ourselves, like if we surrender, we're kind of like, oh, well, what am I, what am I achieving when I'm doing nothing, right? In quotes. Um, but it's kind of has to do with how you measure growth because growth could be something uh, like, your blood work changing. Um, mm. It could be uh, getting a reward or an achievement or doing something you weren't able to do. But it's also can be like an internal change, like new perspective shift, um, a new habit, um, a new like practice, like a gratitude practice or like some kind of emotional growth or something like that. So it's also like surrendering to a new way of thinking about growth. Yeah, I, I think you and I have talked about before that I have such a weird relationship with the word surrender, right? Because on the one hand, like you're saying, oh, it's waving the right flag, it's giving up. But at the same time, right, if we go back to that pragmatic optimism, you have to be honest with yourself about where you're at and what you need and yeah. the tangible physical realities that we all are under. And I know it's, it's been very difficult for me in the course of my own journey to, to think I, I've come to think about surrender more like plants growing, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Like a plant is not growing because it's choosing to put out. I always think of pumpkins for some reason, right? Have you ever gone to pumpkins, Mika? No. Oh my gosh. I would love to like cinder. I want to be Cinderella with pumpkins. Yay! <laughs> well, you live in, Mika also lives in upstate New York. So you yes. live in upstate New York. Like, let's grow some pumpkins. Yes. Um, so I grow pumpkins every year. And, you know, they have these very creepy vines that it seems like nothing's happening. And all of a sudden, the vines grow a lot. And then all of a sudden, you've got a ton of buds. But you have to have, like, the right ratio of male buds to female buds. And then, you know, like, a couple of days later, you'll have, like, these little bulbs that are forming underneath the buds. And that's the new baby pumpkin. But that didn't happen because anybody forced it. It happened because like, that's what pumpkins do. And yeah. sometimes the surrender piece is allowing your body and your nervous system and all of its, all the other symptoms of your body and your mind and your spirit and your energy. Sometimes they just need to stop yeah. and breathe yeah. and do their jobs without the pressure of all this other stuff just getting heaped onto the pile. Yeah. And 
I know I've told you this story, like going to Thailand to study yoga and just having a complete meltdown during my yoga teacher training. Where I was like, okay, this is it. This is when I'm just going to lose my mind. And that was the moment that I was like, oh, this is what they mean by surrender. Cool. Got it. I literally needed to go to the other side of the planet to figure that out. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us, it just takes a while, Mika. And also there's that, you know, the, the, um, symbology of, of like a diamond, you know, where it's like the creating the pressure in the dark and, um, yeah. Or like a seed underground or, um, there's good, there's things happening. There's magical, mystical, transmutational things happening <laughs> that, you know, when you emerge out the other side, like there is growth there. It's just not what we think of, you know, as, as, uh, as progress necessarily. Yeah. There's so much here. So let's, let's recap. So we've got Grief and gratitude. Um, well, take me through it. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, it's grief and and gratitude. Um, restorate restoration or restorative practices. That's about finding the ease, um, alignment, and that includes language, um, compassion, and that's mainly self compassion. Uh, but you can't be on this journey without having compassion for, for other people going through the same thing. And I do think that that suffering builds a depth, which get kind of gets filled up with compassion. So, and also um, I think compassion for the people who are walking it with us. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a really good point. Yeah. I think the people that have had to give up or go without or go less or change their life course to care for others. That's a, it's a big, is a big gift that they give. And yeah. sometimes it's very difficult for them, right? That's a Sorry really to good be point. Real. No, that's yeah. a really good point. I mean, we, and I think that's part of grief too, is like, you can almost even grieve too for what other people were hoping for, you know, from you. And, um, you know, that's, that's another piece of it, but I love that. Yeah. And then the last two would be the energy equation of like, does this help or harm? And, and surrender the being over overdoing. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's, I, I just wanted to say too, that, you know, um, there's obviously other pieces of a journey of wellness and well-being that we both know there's so many pieces and it's really like, what are you trying to cultivate? Um, you know, for me, when I wrote my master's thesis, I wrote it about positive media and um, I almost want to use that in quotes because it was like, well, what is what would that even mean? Is that just like rainbows and butterflies or like what actually mm -hmm. is that? And, um, you know, so for me, like as we move more and more uh, forward technologically, I think there's this other piece is like, how are we using technology? And I'm still really interested in that, like because it's our, our tools, um, our tools in the world and we're using technology so much of the time now that that's become even more important um, sort of positive media literacy, if you will. Um, and so I think having an intention, having intentions all the way along your journey, like both for your process and for your outcome can be really useful on the, on the chronic wellness journey, but also like when you're using different tools or even when you're interacting with nature, whatever it is, it could be nature, it could be technology is kind of having these intentions for both your process, like what you're trying to get out of it. And you're also your outcome because, uh, for example, like humor, if you have the intention of, of humor, you're going to make a different choice about, um, you know, what TV show to watch, for example, or, um, if you're, if your intention is like learning, you know, you might 
listen to a podcast instead of, um, you know, instead of watch YouTube videos or whatever the case may be. And I think that that in and of itself is just like something that we can take with us um, on our journeys, uh, both yeah. in and out of the technological and media world. Yeah, I think you're really onto something there because so often in the wellness space and the well-being space, right, we're being reactive to some content that we've seen, right? Like, oh, I'm going to try ashwagandha because everybody's yeah. talking about it all the yeah. time, even though I can't even pronounce it or spell it properly. Um, because we're reactive consumers instead of these really intentional practitioners, and so much of what we've talked about today has been about the intentionality of, okay, instead of, oh, I'm going to go on my wellness journey because I don't want to get sick, or I'm going to go on my chronic illness spoony warrior journey because mm -hmm. I'm going to fight against my diagnosis and prognosis or whatever, as opposed to like, I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got right now. Yeah. And that's going to grow a different future for me and for everyone who loves me and for everyone I love. And let's see where that takes me. And that's where I think that, you know, if I, somebody asked me the other day, like, what could I, what would I go back and tell my younger self if I could? And like, this is one of those lessons where it's like, I want to go back 15 years to, um, you know, being diagnosed, Arlene, and tell her like, okay, this woman Mika Op says chronic wellness instead of chronic <laughs> illness. Think about that. You'll meet her in 15 years. Chill out. <laughs> I think well, it could be really helpful. Yeah, I'm so, I'm glad. And I, I mean, my intention in this is really like, this is kind of just started for me with like my own, my, my own experiences. I, I can't possibly think that this is like the end of the road. You know, I, that just didn't work for me and that really shouldn't work for anyone. And, no. and I don't like that. That's how we talk about these things with people because, and I know, you know, some people in our community, a positive psychology community are really excited about this idea of agency right now. And, and like, but this is using agency to look at your, your trajectory of your healing, your body, mind, spirit um, system and, and that's not necessarily something that we're taught to do. We're usually taught to kind of give our power over to experts. And mm -hmm. we really, we really need to be, we are the only expert on ourselves. And I don't yes. mean that doctors can't give you in, of course, they're experts in like these niche areas, you know, um, but for the sum totality of who you are and what works for you, you're the only expert, you know? And so giving people permission to kind of curate that journey for themselves. And also I think self-love, self-compassion is just a huge part of it because until you have that, you're just like making things worse. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or, or at the very least, you know, holding the reactive line, right? Like, okay, I'm going through the protocol because it's what I've been taught, but I'm doing it because I should. Yeah. Instead of, I think that's part of your alignment piece, right? It's the alignment with an appreciation for authentic self and um, what it is that you actually want for you and removing some kind of external moral obligation and what's yeah. really true. Yeah. It's wonderful. Mika, how can people find you? So um, you can DM me on, on Instagram. On if you want to reach out, um, it's at mbk.op. Um, I also have a one for chronic wellness, but I can't remember the name. So if you, if you <laughs> drop me a, a follow, I will, I will send you my, um, I have special social media feeds for different things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this framework, but if you have any, I, you know, suggestions, like 
if it's helpful for you, reach out to me. If you want to hop on a call, just send me a message up there. That would be great. So it's at mbk.opp. Thank you so much, Mika, for mm-hmm. joining me. And it's such an honor to get to have you here on Better Than Fine. Uh, it means a lot to me. This has been such an honor. I love you so much. I love <laughs> you too very much. And and we love you, our dear listeners. And we would also love to hear any feedback that you might have. And so the best ways to do that would be to drop me an email. It's info at darlene.coach. You could find me on Instagram. I'm also darlene.coach. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. And I also have a new Substack. Coachdar.substack.com is a repository for information. A lot of it being tools we talk about on not just this episode, but on the show in general, um, so that you've got some free resources that compile a lot of these ideas. And of course, I hope that you've subscribed. If you're watching on YouTube, give it that like button. And wherever you are listening, please go ahead and leave us a review, hopefully five stars, uh, because that's going to help us to game the algorithm and help to spread the show always so grateful to have you listening to us here on Better Than Fine and thank you. Be well.